welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. So the, the title of the message today is Finding God's Blessing in Turmoil. And you know, it's, it's amazing. I was thinking as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking what an exceptional time we're living in. Um, extraordinary in so many ways. Um, but it's sometimes when we look at how exceptional the times are in terms of challenges. And we, the reality is, is we are facing challenges as humanity and as the world that in some ways the world has never faced before. Um, but in other ways, actually, they're completely ordinary. Um, because man has always been sinful and government has always been sinful. In, 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 many, in many ways, um, governments from the dawn of time have set themselves up to take the place of God. And uh, not all governments, but most governments to, a ver- to varying degrees have set themselves up to, to oppose God or to take the place of God. And um, with the depravity of man and the antipathy of the wicked uh, to the wicked, nothing, uh, the antipathy of the wicked towards the gospel is nothing new. So in many ways, as Christians, we have to position our hearts so carefully in the sense that if we look too much at the challenges of, of our day and, you know, so many Christians are getting into like, wow, oh, it's so terrible now. If you get too much into that, you can lose your hope. But when you sit back and realize and have a longer view of history, you realize that actually the gospel has always been preached in adverse circumstances. And the gospel has always triumphed. This is the amazing thing, is that the gospel and the kingdom, God's promise to us was that of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And in every age, there have been Christians who have believed that, wow, this is the end. It's so dark. It's so terrible. It's uh, so awful. So I, I, was even, I was even thinking about it. I'm thinking, you can imagine how, um, you know, people in the early 20th century, my father's gener- uh, generation, and um, in the early, uh, early 20th century, you had the Nazi revolution. You had the communist revolutions that were happening uh, ara- uh, around the world. You had the First World War, the Second World War, and in, in which... I think it was uh, cumulatively between the two world wars, something like 60 million people perished. And, and that's in the space of one, one lifetime, one living memory. 60 million people eradicated from the, uh, the face of the earth. And in that time, Christians were, were, began to believe absolutely that the end of the world had come. Um, because they looked at that scripture that said wars and rumors of wars. And they thought, well, there can't be anything worse than this. And yet the world continued and the gospel was preached uh, throughout the world. And at the same time as that was happening, you had the Azusa Street Revival. And in the Azusa Street Revival, the presence of God dropped on one tiny little church. One small little church in San Francisco with one, uh, one preacher who was the most unlikely man to be, uh, to be called of God um, from the perspective of that time, in the sense that he seemed powerless. He was a one-eyed black man 
in a still very racist America, and yet he preached the gospel and the power of God would fall in his meetings in such a way that something like 120 million Christians today trace their Pentecostal charismatic roots to that outpouring and have been impacted by, uh, by that outpouring. And so you have this darkness happening, huge, but there's this tiny little thing happening in a corner, uh, corner of the world that's destined to change the way we uh, see God. I thought about going back a little bit uh, further. I, I thought about the wars of religion in Europe in, in the 17th and 18th centuries where Protestants, um, with Protestantism coming out of Martin Luther's statement, nailing his, uh, his theses to the door, 95 theses on the... Uh, on the um, door of the church in Wicken, uh, Wittenberg. Just one German monk nails these theses to a door and it sets the whole world afire for a for hundred years. So much so that France, about one third of the nation becomes Christian, becomes, becomes Protestant. Let me uh, put it that way. They, they, they find God in a real way. They turn their ba- uh, backs on what had become a very corrupt and a very ritualistic, religious expression of Christianity. And they pursue God. You start seeing signs and wonders like the world had never seen before. Little babies, the power of God, the presence of God would fall on babies and children. And they would stand up and begin to preach in the, uh, in the, high, uh, the high French of the court. And so there was, but then persecution breaks out too. And now when you go to France, when, when, and I've traveled in rural France, you'll see that the very countryside is marked by the faith of those people because you'll be driving in the countryside and you'll just see in the middle of an open field, there's a copse of trees. And you're like, geez, that's strange. Why did that farmer not plow that part of the field? Why is there a small thing? And they'll tell you, no, that's a graveyard. And there are literally hundreds of these little tiny forests in the middle of fields where the Protestants were buried um, at that time because so many of them were killed and martyred uh, for their faith. And, uh, and to this day, you can see the impact uh, because uh, when, when they got killed and they were martyred for their faith, they weren't allowed to be buried in normal graveyards. So these these kind of like rebel graveyards sprung up. And to this day, you can see that. On the, uh, on the, that generation must have thought that the world was coming to an end. And yet what God did was he scattered them like seed across the world. And some of them even came here to, uh, to South Africa and founded the, the roots of many of the industries, many of the things that have blessed the soils of South Africa, the wine industry, etc., uh, etc. Et How about in the Islamic revolutions or the Islamic wars of the Middle Ages. Um, this, these armies of Muslims swept out of Arabia right the way across uh, uh, North Africa, conquering as, uh, as they went. For 600 years, it seemed like the Islamic armies were unstoppable. They swept out of Arabia in, uh, into, the, uh, into the Middle East, conquered, uh, conquered Ju- uh, Jerusalem, conquered uh, Israel. Con- uh, conquered uh, Turkey, across North Africa, conquered Spain. They were moving in to uh, to France until I think it was in 1495. Charles Martel defeated them at the Battle of Tours. 
other side of the Battle of uh, Vienna, the Swed uh, Swedish uh, king managed to stop them. But up until that moment, it looked like that Islam would invade the entire world and Christianity would be wiped out. And at a certain point, God stopped that. That generation probably thought that the gospel would, uh, would not triumph. However, the most amazing thing is, is that in the darkness, the light grew even brighter. To this day, the gospel still is burning in all the Islamic nations. The greatest revival in Muslim nations in, hu in history is happening right now. In some Muslim nations, apparently, thousands of Muslims are coming to Christ every single day. So much so that in, uh, some nations are being told that um, Christians are buying hotels so that they can have access to the swimming pools and baptize believers in the, uh, in the swimming pools. Some things never change. And, there's, uh, and it's important, therefore, that we keep our eyes on the things that never change so that we can have hope in our times when things seem to be changed. What never changes? Well, first, thing, first things first that we've got to remember is that God never changes. His word in Malachi 3 verse 6 is, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Israel, uh, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. People, friends, foes, circumstances, governments, empires, economies, and uh, all change. But God never changes. And because God never changes, we are not consumed. Because, because he, he never changes and His plans and purposes for us are because His character and His nature are good. We're not co uh, consumed. We can have hope even when the world looks dark. See, this is the most amazing thing. Is if we take a short-term view of history, which is the challenge of most, most modern Christians. Most modern Christians look back 10 years and they think, oh, things are getting dark. Well, they look back 20 years and oh man things used to be better but actually if you take a long-term view of the history of the world you realize that actually the gospel is filling the earth the revival is changing the world if if we look back 10 years we can look and see some things but also i can also look back to 2008 when we weren't seeing miracles as a ministry we, we, we were seeing very few miracles. Let me actually put it that way. We were seeing very few miracles. Very few people prophe uh, prophesied. But today, miracles and prophecy have filled the earth. It's common to have people uh, uh, prophesy. And so, you've got to set your heart on God, uh, on God alone. God is not going to be fickle towards you. Early on in my, in my walk with God, I used to have this positioning of my heart where I would think that God would change depending on my performance. You know, like whether I was, you know, doing well, I, I had my uh, quiet time or I was in faith. And actually it produced real insecurity and fear in my life. Because it was, I, I found that actually what I was doing was building my faith on me. And when you build your faith on you, you'll find that you, you have no real foundation. Because no matter how good your intentions are, you, you're going to mess up at some point. It's only a matter of time. But this is why 
we found our faith and we ground our faith on God and His goodness too. Second thing that never changes, and um, it's this. God's plans for you are good. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil. Or another translation, plans to prosper you. I absolutely love that scripture. That God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. It's the first promise God gave me after I got born again. Um, I, I remember the guy who led me to the Lord came to me. He said, Nigel, I've got a scripture I want to give you. And I, I remember thinking it was a weird concept that he was going to give me a scripture. I didn't realize that you could give people scriptures. But anyway, this scripture was given to me over 30 years ago now. And I'm just going to, I'm going to share it with you. You can also have it as well. So God's, and this is it, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not for you. And then Romans 8 verse 28 says this, we know that, in all, uh, that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. I so love those scriptures because that never changes. That never changes. And if you put them together, it means that all things are working together um, for those who called according to His purpose. So what's His purpose? Well, the first scripture says, His purpose is plans to prosper you. So all things are working together to fulfill His plan to prosper you. Because the Word tells you His purpose, because He said, I know the plans I have for you, or my purposes for you to prosper you. And I really love that because it says, I know the plans. Because I'll be honest with you, very often I don't know his plans. I'm like, Lord, help me. What's your plan? I can't understand. What's the plan here? Sometimes it doesn't even feel like there is a plan. But God knows the plan. And all things work together for good. Uh, to prosper us and our families. You see, the amazing thing is, is that when God looks at your life, He's not just looking at your life. Through your life, He's looking at your children and your children's children. And He's, he's planning for, for not just your generation, but every generation uh, to come. And, and I uh, so love that. So what does that say about 2023? What should we expect? This whole sermon actually started out of a conversation and a dream that Debbie and I had. Um, two nights ago, I woke up, uh, two, two mornings ago, I woke up, and I had had this dream of this massive storm, this rainfall just pouring, uh, pouring down. And, uh, and I can remember waking up and thinking, oh Lord, what is that dream? Is it, are you saying there's a storm coming? Or are you saying there's an outpouring coming? And kind of in my spirit, I felt like the Lord said, yes. <laughs> that, you know, no, 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 Lord, you didn't understand the question. Lord, is there going to be a storm or is there going to be an outpouring? And I feel like the Lord's saying, yes. <laughs> there is going to be a storm and, there, and it is going to be an outpouring. 
And you, you know, the amazing thing is when the rain comes and you see the river come down, and there's been a lot of actually pictures on Facebook of uh, people's uh, farms and rivers coming down and, fl and flood. And when you see that river just coming down, it's brown water and it's full of silt and, uh, and, and everything. And when you look at it, it can look terrifying. But that's the very thing that it's blessed. Uh, and you know what? In this time, I believe we're going to have a bit of both. I think there will continue to be challenges. This can, but in the challenge, God knows the plan He has for you, and He's going to prosper you. There's going to be outpouring of blessing, but for, for the, the believer, we will need to learn to see with eyes of faith and hope what God is saying and what God is doing and uh, uh, focus in, uh, on that. We need to see through the natural and see God's plan. Just like Joseph, who I spoke of last, last week. You know, Joseph... Arguably, we can look back 2,000 years later, not arguably, actually, un inarguably. We can look back 2,000 years later and we can say that was the greatest moment in human history. Where God, the eternal God, became flesh and became Emmanuel, God with us. Baby Jesus. But in Joseph's day, it was hugely challenging. His rep he lost his reputation. He, he, he had to move his family to another country. All the babies around his family got slaughtered. There must have been massive insecurity for everyone at that time. And the one little pinprick of hope was a baby somewhere in a backwater in Galilee. And yet, that baby has changed and defined all of human history as a result. Even for, even for those who won't acknowledge it and, and uh, we date our calendar, they call it BCE, Before Common Era, because it's no longer um, politically correct to say BC, Before Christ. But, you know, I just want to ask the question, yes, but when did BCE begin? Yes, with the birth of Christ. That baby defines human history. He is the central point of history. And he's the central point of our, our, our lives. So the word, I think, for us for this 2023 is this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. No matter what you see happening around you in, uh, in the world, no matter how um, morals and mores change and um, uh, political um, currents sway and change and governments come and go, no matter what happens in, uh, in economies, no matter how, uh, which people go to be with the Lord and which don't go to be, uh, be with the Lord, do not be afraid because God has a plan for us. Keep our eyes on God. We keep our eyes on God and know that there's going to be an outpouring of God's presence and blessing. We are called to be people who see with the eyes of God the times in which we live and declare the word of God to this generation. Because if we don't carry hope, if we don't speak faith into the darkness, no one will.
and we cannot change. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.